Hi, and welcome to this episode of I've Got This Kid. Today, we are going to start the series of Living With. And living with simply means that we're going to be talking to families who are living with different children who have disorders or delays or just something that makes them outside of the norm. And I'm so excited because we have Lisa here and she has a daughter who is living with Down syndrome. They have this beautiful daughter. She's adorable and she has like the best personality, but they've been living with this. And so we want to just talk about her experience and just give you guys out there some tips, some tools, her journey, the the whole shebang. So everybody, I want you guys to welcome Lisa and Lisa, I'm going to let you take it from here. Hi, everyone. I am Lisa. Thanks for having me, Sharina. Of course. I guess I'll just start off. I have a four and a half year old daughter named Nora, and she is a postnatal diagnosis, meaning we didn't know. So the time she was born, the discharging pediatrician came into our hospital room and she had some concerns. Afterwards, she called in a neonatologist to come check her out. And they kind of agreed that some of her features were very similar to that of Down syndrome. And so they suggested we do some blood work and we find out the results um, later on. And so that was a very long and grueling 10 days that it took for us to get the results. During those 10 days, we kind of went through the whole, is she or isn't she? Is she (laughs) or isn't she? We would hold her in all sorts of different directions or different ways and like in the light. She might not be, and then in the dark, she might be. So, um, in short, on that 10th day, I got that phone call at 4 o'clock on that Wednesday afternoon, and the discharging pediatrician confirmed her blood work that she did have the triplicate chromosome for Down syndrome. And so reflecting on it now, I can talk about more openly, but at the time, definitely our feelings were of mourning, of loss. We grieved. We were sad. We cried, my husband and I. And um, it took us a while to kind of uh, accept it. I remember initially uh, after we called family and then we told our oldest, our son, who was um, almost six at the time, I wanted to leave the house. And so we went for a car ride and just drove around just kind of processing our thoughts and things like that. And so that following Saturday, all our family and friends were coming over to meet her for the first time. And by that Friday, my husband and I kind of sat down. We were like, okay, enough with crying. We got to suck this up. What are we going to tell our friends and family? Because whatever we say is going to set the foundation for and set the precedence of how we want Nora to be, which is in all fairness, we want her to be raised just like her brother. Absolutely. Um, Just because of the diagnosis, we can't put this umbrella over her. That would be totally unfair to him. And that would be unfair to her and her potential. My husband and I sat down and we said, okay, with our friends on that Saturday and our family on that Saturday. And we said, and we explained that uh, the story about the discharging pediatrician and how we got the diagnosis and what it meant. And essentially I shared that she is Nora first and foremost, the diagnosis Mm -hmm. isn't even secondary or tertiary to who she is. She'll be raised in this beautiful community that surrounds her, this family and friends. Um, I just need support and, and just positivity for her right right now. Um, and so that was the precedence we set. And since then I, 
four and a half years later, my friends and family are concrete foundation for Nora. Nora's success is in part of because of her, for sure. But it's because she's been surrounded by people that just have not second guessed her too. Yeah. She is the biggest firecracker. (laughs) She is is amazing. You guys don't even understand. Like this little one came into my office and at the time, Lisa was like, I don't think she has any words. I don't think she's saying much. In five minutes in, I was like, oh, no, she's she's talking. (laughs) (laughs) She's saying a lot. It's just she's saying it in a different way so we have to teach you how to figure out nora language so we can be on the same page and what i mean by nora language is she just had some speech stuff going on that made it kind of hard for us to understand what she was saying but you know she was like a little puzzle you get one word and then you get the next word and you start putting those pieces together in the ball totally rolling so not only did you have like this cute little one (laughs) who had all this personality in this great non-verbal language but once she really started to like put those words together and gain that confidence and momentum to like keep talking we could not stop that girl she is (laughs) there's no stopping her now oh my gosh there are days where i reflect on oh remember when she couldn't say mama (laughs) (laughs) but i want to rewind back because some of our listeners out there may not know when you said that she was found like the diagnosis was found out postnatal can you tell the listeners, what does that mean, the, the, the postnatal versus prenatal, finding out about the diagnosis? Sure. So with um, our oldest, I had declined genetic testing because there, I had gone through a pretty normal pregnancy. So second time around, I figured, oh, decline the genetic testing form. I still have a copy of that. And I kind of reflect on that sometimes and wonder um, if I had checked yes, what that path and journey might have been. That's the past now. But anyways, yeah, so I had declined genetic testing. So I didn't know at all during my pregnancy that we were expecting a a child to be born with Down syndrome. And so the postnatal, meaning that I didn't get the diagnosis until after she was born. Right, right. And so I want you guys to understand, you know, it's your right as a parent, genetic testing or not. And, and some families opt to do it and some families don't. But I wanted you guys out there to know that usually around, I think it's what, 12 weeks of pregnancy? It's been a while. It's about 12 weeks, I think, to where you get genetic testing done and they let you know what's going on with your little sugar while they're in utero. And then sometimes we find out after the fact. So let's talk a little bit about your family member's response. How did that go? So here you guys are. (laughs) You guys have this family and her family is wonderful. Like her uh, parents would bring Nora to sessions when she was not available. If she wasn't available, if grandparents weren't available, then her husband was bringing them. Like it was a team effort. So they have a really great support system. So tell me how that went. (laughs) So initially... The initial phone call we made was to our siblings. I called my set of siblings and my husband called his sister. And immediately it was filled with positivity. What do you need? How can we help you? Let us know if there's anything you guys need, that sort of thing. The next phone call was to our moms. I called my mom. He called his mom. And those were 
those responses were a little less positive, um, a little less stellar. They were rightfully scared and confused. And um, I think they were sad and mourning just as we were. Although in, in light of it, we were kind of, I think we were also hoping for a little bit of positivity too out of it, like something to comfort us while we were trying to figure this out too. But that was then. And in, in our journey of receiving therapies through regional center, I made an effort to include my mom in everything, in the evaluations, in the play group sessions. When the early interventionist came to our house, I made sure she was there watching her interact with her. When the PT came to the house, I made sure she was there watching the PT work with her. When we went to the early start uh, developmental play groups, I had my mom come in and observe the play groups to kind of take away that fear that this preconceived notion that my mom, who is an immigrant from China, and whatever preconceived notions or prejudices that she had um, with with respect to special needs children, that Nora, her granddaughter, was in fantastic hands and she was in a safe, okay place. And she was going to be with people that were going to challenge and support her all the way. And so with including her in those therapy sessions, I think it helped strengthen my mom's voice and helped her relate to Nora's personality in, in terms of she is a spicy, sassy, little independent little child. Right. And she was going to do, she was going to crawl. She was going to roll. She was going to pull herself up and she was going to walk. Right. And then she was going to run and she's going to do all sorts of fantastic, amazing things. Yeah. And, and she's so motivated. She's so motivated. Yes. So how, how did that go as far as like your mom being an immigrant? I know it's much different over there, how they perceive special education, special needs children in general. How was that a learning experience for mom or for your mom? For my mom, on the side, when she wasn't coming to therapy sessions, she would at home kind of look up stuff on her iPad. So she maybe search Down syndrome in Hong Kong or Down syndrome in China. And then every now and then when I would come over or she come over, she would say, hey, there's this uh, video I saw of this little girl with Down syndrome and she's playing the piano. Or, oh, there's this uh, movie star with a daughter with Down syndrome and she brought her on stage to introduce her. And so the more and more as she felt comfortable with the diagnosis and what was going on in the positive direction that we we were going into, I think that that little bit helped educate her for sure. And, and she felt um, at peace that Nora was going to live a very fruitful life. Right. And so it sounds like she had to kind of go through her own self-discovery phase. And I heard you use this term a few times that you guys were in mourning and not just you and your husband. Yes. 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 Also for family members, Talk, speak to that a little bit. What was that process like for you guys? And honestly, what did you guys feel like you were losing or had lost? Yeah. So when, after we got the diagnosis and it took a while to kind of understand this grief and this sadness, and it was because of this preconceived typical child we had, um, we thought we were having a child like our first child, which was one of those sort of, you didn't have to think about anything. When he crawled, he crawled. When he rolled over, he rolled over. When he pulled himself up, we knew the next thing he was going to do, he was going to walk. When we 
gave him blocks, he stacked them. When we gave him books, he turned the pages. And so in terms of mourning, I already immediately had this thought that, and it is due to the prejudices, it's due to the me having these preconceived notions of what Down syndrome is too. These little snippets of videos or little things I had seen online, or maybe just a person in passing. And I'm guilty of that too, of thinking that Nora wasn't going to live a typical life that she was going to be, it was going to be filled with hardships. It wasn't this vision that we had had. It wasn't this child that we had planned on having. And, um, it took a while to, to sort of navigate those feelings. I think still there's, it's less of a roller coaster now, but initially it was definitely, we had those days. I had those days where some days I would be just so sad and bummed out about down syndrome. Mm -hmm. And then there'd be good days about like, yes, she did something fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, she overcame an obstacle and then it'd take it away. But I think it's really important to whatever feeling you're feeling to be raw and honest about it. And it's okay to admit being sad. Right. Um, what I was sad about was the, it wasn't so much. What I was sad about was the down syndrome part and how it would affect her in the future. And now it's silly for me to think that because I see her at four and a half years later what an amazing human being she has become right. because of this Down syndrome. Right. And and I think that when we look at Down syndrome or any other developmental disability, we have to shift our minds to who's the person first, like that person first language. She's Nora, yes. who happens to have Down syndrome. And that's always been my approach. And I've told you, about my niece who had Down syndrome. So I grew up with a family member with Down syndrome and her personality is just as bright and bubbly as it can be. And 26 years later, 26 years later, 27 years later. Oh, goodness gracious. So, <laughs> and so I think a lot of times we do, we see these things, we have these images in our minds of what we expect our children to be. And if it is something that we're not necessarily prepared for, then it brings up all of these feelings or these emotions or these preconceived notions. And so I always applaud you because you've always, since I've known you, have treated Nora as this is Nora first. And it's it's always been a person first. I would have never in a million years known and it, it would, it's silly for me, you know, thinking about it now in hindsight, that these feelings didn't happen and that, Mm -hmm. you know, these questions didn't come up. And so it's so interesting just hearing from your perspective, this journey and how it got you to this place, making you such a strong parent and woman. And so I just, I applaud you for that. I totally applaud you from that for that because I think that a lot of Nora is you and a lot of you personality wise <laughs> is Nora. You guys are one and the same, <laughs> which is a beautiful thing. It's definitely a beautiful thing. So talk to me about because you know Nora is has always been like that exception, and I want listeners out there to know that Down syndrome is it kind of has a spectrum. 
And so there's children who fall more on the mild side to where, you know, they do have the features that align with Down syndrome and the characteristics and definitely the chromosomal differences. But as far as their speech and language development and their thinking skills, it might be a little bit closer to average. And that's what we mean by mild. It's a little bit delayed, but closer to like your average typically developing child. And then you have more of your moderates who have a little bit maybe more learning disability, more speech delay, more um, cognitive delays, which are your thinking skills, more language delays. And so Nora's always fell more on the milder side of things. She's picked up on so much, so fast. (laughs) And I think also she's extremely motivated. But talk to me about your journey with the learning process and the teaching process and just how do you scaffold that? Did you do anything any differently? What would be some tips you'd have for families? Yeah, that's a great question. So and initially, I remember comparing her to my oldest because they're six years apart and I couldn't remember his milestones because they were just so natural. And so as I compared her milestones, it looked like they're about three months apart up until the walking component. Um, when she wasn't walking after at 16 months or 18 months or 19, 20 months, that's when I started going to Down syndrome connection and kind of entered the support group to get some resources and things like that. But in terms of her motivation, that's enrooted in her DNA, even Definitely. though she's got that triplicate DNA, triplicate, uh, chromosome on her 21st, that, that deep drive to do what she wants to do. Yes. That's, <laughs> so I have zero control over that. <laughs> and so we went with that. Once she, once we discovered her personality was a fiery little thing, uh, with the support of our early interventionists and the therapists around us who have been so creative and patient with this child, they going back to the scaffolding. Once she mastered something, they would go, okay, let's do some, let's make it harder. Right. And once she mastered that, let's make this one harder. And so as I watched everyone around her community, see that, that she could be challenged and she could meet that challenge. I did that myself. And so with one of the challenges I thought initially going back to her initial diagnosis, one of my morning that I grieved was she's never going to learn my home language, which is Mm -hmm. can't sneeze. And so I thought, well, uh, I guess I guess we'll just speak English to her. And so upon realizing this personality, I incorporated Cantonese and she is a bilingual child. Mm, now. Absolutely. And she can speak, <laughs> speak with my parents. Mm-hmm. And so I think when it comes down to it, every child is individual. Mm-hmm. Um, we might be I might Nora might be interconnected with another child with Down syndrome, just but that that's only because of the triplicate chromosome. Right. When it comes down to it, at the root of it, each child is individual and their learning styles individual and Nora's learning style is she will if she wants to do something she will do it and if she doesn't she'll let you know she doesn't want to do Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. she does and so I think you hit the nail right in the head like you absolutely hit it right there every child is wired differently even if you have the same diagnosis or the same disorder the way that it plays out is not the same. And so you have to look at where your child is, what their functioning level is, and what's next. It's always a what's next, right? And and that's how we evolve. And, And even typically developing children, it's always what's next. Okay, you've mastered this, what's next? 
And so it's it's interesting just to hear that from your perspective of we looked at it from a what's next approach, uh, especially because of the support around you. And I want to talk a little bit more about the support around you. What was the most helpful support system that you had in this journey? Oh, there's so many people. But initially, and when we found out the diagnosis, I kind of knew by default, we would need OTPT speech. That would just be part of her journey. Right. And I figure out and navigate through that. What I didn't realize what was imperative was our early interventionist uh, through regional Mm -hmm. center and who came in when came to our house um, every week to teach her how to play essentially. And and I remember a couple, maybe a couple months in my mom would, would say, well, you can just do that with her. And I realized that, yeah, I could, play with her but the early interventionist came to our house and kind of just again knew how to challenge her in a way mm-hmm. and then also knew the milestones that she needed to reach where that it just freed me to be Nora's mom yeah. and I didn't have to think about okay what should I be working on what should I do next how can I support her in this I think that was a really really uh, imperative person to have and I really appreciate our early interventionist um, right. being part of our lives to help that because I didn't realize that imagination mm-hmm. is so crucial. It's a cogn- it's an advanced cognitive skill mm-hmm. to, to know something is just pretend when you're holding a toy cup and you pretend to drink, take a drink out of it. That's an advanced cognitive skill. And when, right. and I remember there was a, a, a time where we had gone to a birthday party and there was a little girl who was three months younger than Nora. So um, and she was uh, already pulling herself up on the furniture and no big deal. Nora was just had just like mastered sitting up. But the little girl had taken this baby doll and she's holding the baby doll. And I remember thinking, oh, that's pretty cool. She's holding the baby doll and she's playing with it. And I turned and looked at Nora again, who had just mastered sitting up and she was hitting two cups together. And I felt defeated. I felt, man, Ooh. when is when is it going to be Nora's turn to do something like that? And so I remember lamenting to my early interventionist and she said, well, it's going to take time, but let's, let's introduce some baby dolls to her and see what happens from there. And sure enough, probably within the three months of us introducing and play bait, playing with it and modeling it for her, it clicked. And she was Mm -hmm. holding the baby and feeding the baby and doing all the mommy things you do with babies. And that was really, really wonderful to see. Um, the Down syndrome connection was amazing resource for me. I was a late bloomer of sorts. I didn't start going to the meetings until she was about 18, 19 months old because I, I wasn't ready to, I think. But once I did okay. start going to the meetings and discussing my questions and concerns, I realized I wasn't alone on this and that it was really right. nice to hear families before me having these same feelings or on the same path or going through these same things. And the, the suggestions and the ideas and just the resource and the community. It's just, again, it goes back to that, even though we're intertwined by that triplicate chromosome, we're all on individual journeys. So my journey with Nora is not the same as another child in our group. Mm -hmm. And just, I think all the therapists that uh, have helped Nora for sure. I've had, I've been very fortunate to have these great relationships with 
to just hear me out as I lamented and kind of, (laughs) they're my therapist too, even though they were working with Nora and her skills, they were like, they lent an ear and listened and really helped me understand how to help her too. And in such a, just a collaborative way. And I think that's really important to not feel like it's me against anybody. It's us supporting this child. Yeah. That's huge. Just to have the community around and to be comfortable and Mm -hmm. safe to have that community around. So for our reluctant parent, what would you say to them? (laughs) To the reluctant parents, I say, it's okay. Take your time. Um, If you're not ready to come to a meeting, you're welcome to shoot an email or make a phone call to the DSC and maybe um, they can help you answer a question or maybe they'll pair you up with a parent and you guys can just email um, each other. And what's the DSC? DSC Let our listeners know. It is the Down Syndrome Connection. It is our uh, local Bay Area Down Syndrome Mecca. Essentially, it's got okay. a, it's got zero to three play, uh, parent support group, and then from there, we, there's different um, adult transition groups and therapy groups nice. and play groups and just a lot of fun stuff. Nice, nice, and so it just keeps you connected. And so I'm assuming this is um, there's one regionally here, and so there has to be one like regional for Southern California or other parts of the United States. I'm assuming. Uh, I only know the da- the one that we have in the Bay Area, which we're fortunate to have. There's one on the peninsula, and then there's probably a few oh. select ones like in Southern California. But you can look that up. Is there anything else that you want to give as far as tips, as far as just encouragement? What would you tell the people out there? Yeah. So a lot of times I end our parent meetings with whatever preconceived notions you have, whatever feelings you feel about the diagnosis, feel them. Don't feel like you're a bad person for feeling whatever you feel about the diagnosis. Right. I think hashtag self-care for sure. Take care of you because you won't be able Oof, to Jesus. <laughs> you won't be able to say that again. <laughs> you won't be able to take care of your kiddo if you're not, if you're not in at your best. Um, and the second thing I like to share is whatever you had planned for your future. If you like to go hiking, if you like to go on overseas trips, if you like to go to Disneyland, whatever you like to do as a family, the therapy, they're not going to remember. Nora's not going to remember her OT, uh, PT and speech. What she's going to mm-hmm. remember is the the trips that we went on as a family, the places we went to, mm-hmm. the playground with the best slide or the swing. That's what she's going to remember. So enjoy yeah. that family time. Enjoy and embrace going on trips and doing things that you guys all enjoy together. Because in the long run, that's what she's going to remember. Absolutely. You know, beautifully said, beautifully said, you know, that family time, self-care, even with typically developing children, we need to make sure to honor our bodies so we can be good for those around us. Lisa, you're amazing. You're amazing. They need to make more like you out in this world. I promise to goodness. They do. You guys don't know. This woman's amazing. She's my hero. <laughs> Her hero. <laughs> so thank you for coming. Thank you for taking the time out to speak with the parents, the listeners, and just give not only information, but hope and support that anybody can deal with the deck of cards that they're dealt. And I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Of course. All right, y'all take care.